the 1950s, the decade in which the baby boomers were born, we saw the first organ transplant, the start of the Vietnam War, and the US ruled that racial segregation was unconstitutional in public schools. Elvis Presley, Little Richard, Nat and Cole were all in the charge. In the 1950s, the decade where the Formula One World Championship began. Hello, and welcome back to Unqualifying Sessions with me, Amy. This week, I'm kicking off my series all about the history of Formula One. I'm calling it A Brief History of Formula One. Because I'm not going to go into crazy huge detail, I'm just kind of going to do a rundown of everything that kind of happened in that decade. So this is, I'm breaking it up into chunks, so I'm doing an episode per decade. And this will come out throughout the year, and obviously each video, or not video, each podcast, will focus on a particular decade. So obviously to kick us off, we have to start at the very beginning, right? And so we're starting off with the 1950s. Now, ideas of the World Championship had been going on for quite some time, but was halted due to the outbreak of World War II. But by 1950, everything was a go. Now, 1950 saw the inaugural World Championship of drivers commence at Silverstone. The season consisted of six races in total. Britain, Monaco, Indianapolis 500, Switzerland, Belgium, France and Italy. There were also non-championship races during this time as well. Private cars could and would often take part in local races as well. Now 1950 saw the domination of Alfa Romeo in the 158. Alfa Romeo would win all championship races bar the Indianapolis 500. Now, during this time, I will point out that even though the Indianapolis 500 was considered a championship race, it was not run on FIA regulations and none of the European drivers competed. And this would go the same with Indianapolis drivers. They wouldn't compete in any of the European FIA regulated races. So most of the time, no one would win, who was in the fight would win in Indianapolis 500. So I am going to kind of skip over most of that because for the majority, it just wasn't a priority for them. Now, the very first champion is Giuseppe Farina, who would win the 1915 championship, beating his teammate, someone you may have heard of. Uh, someone called Fangio, don't know if you heard of him. Yeah, don't know who who he is. You may have heard of him, you may not, you know. (laughs) During this time, only people that would score points were the top five drivers. And this would be eight, six, four, three, and two were the points that were awarded. And like we still have today, one point was awarded for the fastest lap of each race. Now moving on to 1951, we saw a few more races, so eight championship races and 14 non-championship races. And this year, Alphas Fangio would go on to win the World Drivers' Championship. However, 
this year, Alfa Romeo had very strong competition from a team you may have heard of. Um, don't know if you've heard of them. Again, it's, what's the, Ferrari? Have you heard of it? Hmm, name rings a bell for some reason. <laughs> anyway, Alfa Romeo won four races, whilst Ferrari won three. Again, the race that's not included is the 500. Now, this year would mark the start of a downfall for Alfa Romeo's future. Ferrari just kind of nailed the car. Um, one point that is really kind of prominent to note where we can see this is at Silverstone. Ferrari just didn't have to refuel as much. And this meant it's just a real bonus for them. I mean... Like I said, at Silverstone, Fangio had to refuel twice. It cost them points. You know, this would be the first time Enzo Ferrari won a Grand Prix with a car of his own company's construction. And I guess you could say, from 1951, the rest is history. Now, 1952 actually saw very few F1 races, as a decision was made for Grand Prix events counting towards the World Championship of Drivers to Formula 2 regulations rather than Formula 1. Now, the main reason this occurred was that Alfa Romeo and BRM withdrew from races during this year. So, through the use of F2 regulations, it meant there was more variety of cars in the field. Um... I mean, Ferrari pretty much did dominate the season, but with the F2 regulations, it did mean there's a little bit more variety on the track. Now, Alberto Ascari went on to win the championship with Ferrari. And like I mentioned, the team had very little challenge from other teams. Um, Fangio did not compete in the 52 championship due to very serious injury that was caused at Monza, um, before the season began. Now, 1953, again, saw F2 regulations being used. This is also the first time we saw a driver successfully defend his title, as Ascari went on to win again with Ferrari. However, Fangio did return and managed to come second in the championship in the Maserati. 1953 was also the first time we saw a race outside Europe and America, and this was held in Argentina. Unfortunately, at this race, we saw a huge tragedy. Ferrari's Farina had a crash which went into the crowd and killed nine spectators. 1954 saw Fangio return to the World Drivers as the World Drivers Champion after driving for both Maserati and Mercedes-Benz. Fangio won the first two Grand Prix races with Maserati before moving to Mercedes where he won another four out of the six remaining races. Reigning champion Ascari switched teams to newly formed Lancia. However, this was not the best move for the world champion as the car was not actually ready until the final race of the championship. I mean, at this point, you probably just would have thought, do you know what? There's no point in me bloody racing, is there? Like, it wasn't ready until the... The last race. Not really any point. Again, 
1954 saw more tragedy, um, where we saw the first fatality of a driver during a Grand Prix race weekend. Maserati driver Marimont was killed during the practice session in the German Grand Prix. Um, Unfortunately, more tragedy would continue into 1955 World Championship. In 1955, Fangio managed to defend his championship title with Mercedes, um, and they basically dominated the championship. However, this would be the last time Mercedes would race in F1 until 2010, and their last win until Rosberg won the Chinese Grand Prix in 2012. Mercedes won all but one F1 race in the season, and this is where Ferrari won at Monaco. However, I will point out that Ferrari won after both after the Mercedes cars broke down. So, just to point this out, the Monaco Grand Prix we saw a huge crash with a Scari going into the harbour, which is absolutely mental. Um, he did come out of of that fine however just a few days later whilst testing sports cars Ascari had a fatal crash at Monza this year also saw more tragedy on the 11th of June there was a huge disaster at the 24 hours of Le Mans 80 spectators were killed as well as Pierre Levert now due to this huge and awful tragedy this led to cancellations of four Grand Prix. Um, this was at France, Spain, Switzerland and Germany. Uh, the Spanish and Swiss tracks were abandoned and have not been used again um, after this tragedy as well. Switzerland did not see another circuit race again until the 2018 Zurich Ypres. 1956 saw Van win his third championship in a row and fourth overall, and this year he raced with Ferrari. Maserati did show some challenge to the team. However, it's important to note that in the final race, Fangio had an eight-point lead over his teammate Peter Collins. Unfortunately, Fangio had to retire, and teammate Musso did not want to share his car. However, Collins, who could have used this as an advantage, handed over his car to Fangio, which meant he won the championship. I mean, what great sportsmanship from Collins. I probably wouldn't have given my car up, I'm not going to lie. I probably would have been like, no, no, no. Sorry, babe, going to win this one. But yeah, fantastic sportsmanship from Collins there. 1954 saw Fangio's fourth consecutive title and his fifth and final world championship. The four consecutive titles would last until Michael Schumacher beat this in 2003, 46 years later. Fangio joined Maserati and replaced Sterling Ross, who went to Van Wall. Between the two drivers, they won every championship race that year except the 500. Fangio won four and Moss won three. The most notable drive for Fangio took place at the German Grand Prix. He managed to take overtake both Collins and Hawthorne at the penultimate lap after a terrible, terrible pit stop, which meant he was nearly a minute behind. Crazy, absolutely crazy. At the end of the year, not only did Fangio retire, but 
Maserati pulled out, citing financial reasons. 1958 saw the first time that manufacturers were also awarded, as well as the drivers. 1958 consisted of 11 championship races and saw Ferrari's Mike Hawthorne become the world champion. This was the first time, out of only two so far, in which a driver has won the championship with only one win. Hawthorne had a close fight with Peter Collins this season. In the end, Hawthorne managed to secure his title by one point only, by coming second in the final race in Morocco. However, Van Wall won the first manufacturer's championship. There were some changes in the 1958 season, with the minimum race length being 300 kilometres or two hours in length, whichever came first, and commercial petrol had to be used by everyone. This year, we also saw the first woman to ever drive in a race, counting toward the World Championship of Drivers. If you had listened to my podcast about women in Formula One, you would know this is Maria Teresa de Filippis. Um, 1958 was another tragic season for Formula One. We had four or five deaths. Um, Luigi Musso at the French Grand Prix, Musso's teammate Peter Collins at the German Grand Prix, and Stuart Lewis Evans in his van wall at the Moroccan Grand Prix in Casablanca all tragically died in 1958. 1959 was the last championship of the 50s and saw Jack Brabham go to win the title with Cooper Climax, winning the manufacturer's title. However, due to the amount of tragedy that played from the one, there was a shift within the sport. Ramble did not enter the season due to the high mortality rate and we saw no world champion on track after tragic death of Hawthorne in early 1959 after being in a car accident. We did see, on a slightly happier note, we did see the revolutionary Cooper Climax mid-engine cars, um, which we will see kind of come up um, in, in the future. Well, in the past, but in the future episodes, I mean. Um, and that meant they won five out of the nine races with Jack Brabham, Sterling Moss and Bruce McLaren. Um, I should also point out, which I haven't pointed out as much, um, a lot of, during this time, a lot of teams would have three drivers. So instead of, we usually just see two now, but at the time there'd be about three drivers going on. BRM also won their first race this season. Now, it was between, the championship was between Ferrari's Brooks and Cooper's Brabham and Moss. Moss retired, now at the end, the last race, we saw Moss retiring and this did not end the issues for the Cooper Climax team. Um, Brabham, Jack Brabham, ran out of fuel, yeah, during the race, so he pushed his car across the line into fourth, which is crazy. Um, Brooks, 
finished third, which meant Brabham managed to win the championship through pushing his car across the line and became the first Australian to win the world championship. So that is a brief history of F1, the 1950s. And this is where we essentially kind of saw the F1 that we know today. And throughout its 72 years, we can kind of see how much it's grown, but also how much there's still a lot of similarities that go through the years. And it's really interesting to see. So next episode, we're going to jump into the 60s, um, talk about what's happening there. We will start to see as well, a lot of huge development with the cars and personalities and all of that. But this was the 50s, the inaugural decade, the inaugural seasons of Formula One that we know today. And like I said, the next one will be the 60s when that will come out. And anyway, I hope you learned something. I learned some things researching um, this. I will link any like kind of interesting parts or articles um, that I found. I mean, the Formula One website is a pretty good place to find out history um, on the sport. Obviously, you could also go on, you know, the fave that everyone also does use, Wikipedia. But it's really interesting to know a little bit more about the decade that Formula One, as we know today, started. Um, it will probably do an episode probably about pre-World Championship. Um, just to talk a little bit more about like the origins of most sport and all of that. But I hope you enjoyed. I hope you learned something. And until next time, I will see you in the next one. <laughs>